Hi, I'm Pfizer Rizvi, and I'd like to welcome you all to the ENP roundtable discussion on the cyber-physical realm in the upstream sector. Joining me today is an excellent panel for digital experts from some of the top service companies who will offer expert insights on how new technologies are shaping upstream operations and what the future holds for digital operations. We have with us Shyam Jigatiswaran, Vice President of Digital Oil Field Services at Baker Hughes. We're also joined by Sujit Kumar, President of Agora, a Schlumberger venture. Also joining us is Stuart Thompson, Chief Technology Officer at Icon Science. And our fourth panelist for today is Gino Hernandez, Head of Global Digital Business at ABB. Thank you, gentlemen, for being with us today and a warm welcome to you all. Now let's kick off our discussion by talking about remote operations. We know world economies closed down last year thanks to the pandemic. And I think our industry did a commendable job at adapting to remote ops. But really looking at the bigger picture here, what's the progress and what according to you is the future of remote operations for oil and gas? Stuart, we'd like to hear your thoughts on this first. Sure, absolutely. And uh, thanks, for the, uh, thanks for the welcome. So, uh, so ICON have actually got uh, got over ten years' experience uh, with remote turnkey uh, real-time drilling services, uh, such as uh, pore pressure while uh, while drilling. So, it's it's really something that we've uh, and, and and I've always personally believed is feasible and and does does have significant value. The benefits of remote support uh, from a safety, cost, and uh, and environmental perspective uh, have long been recognised by by us and our customers. Uh, with increasing oil field instrument uh, instrumentalization, both in terms of the, the facility itself, uh, but also the subsurface, so uh, DAS, fiber, uh, production logging tools, uh, et cetera. The ability to, to successfully manage operations from remote locations is, is not only increasingly viable, uh, as we've seen, but it's also increasingly required uh, as, as operator, operators seek to uh, they become uh, more carbon neutral. Uh, uh, and, and of course, the, the adoption of remote operations and the, the, the new technologies uh, that come with it, they, they don't automatically make it uh, viable and we're not without their challenges. So, for instance, there are, there are a lot of large upfront costs, uh, retrofitting old aging platforms, for instance, uh, and also you have uh, new risks as well. You've got risks with uh, communication outages, uh, system downtime, uh, and, and the obvious uh, as well, the new risk of security concerns and uh, cybersecurity with, with those operations as well. However, look, looking at it holistically, the, the long-term savings, the, the efficiencies, the HSE risk reduction, and, and, and as gradually the old, old equipment, old, uh, old, old platforms are uh, kind of gradually re replaced uh, over time with, and come online with full instrumentation. I, I really do suspect the future we, does uh, and will trend more towards remote operations uh, over, over time. Right, thank you for that insight, Stuart. Uh, Sujit, if you would like to add more to Stuart's comments on what really is the path forward for remote ops. Yeah, thank you, Faiza, and um, uh, thanks again for the opportunity to be here. Uh, I, I do agree with what Stuart was saying, but let me add a few things. Um, as you were saying, we have been doing remote operations in our industry for almost 20 years, and it started with drilling and, and then later on on frac operations. But what was happening before and what's happening now, let me give a little bit of a contrast and comparison. So while uh, in last 20 years, we focused on selecting certain activities for remote operations and the objective was really to share expertise and which was kind of limited, let's say if you have an expert drilling engineer who cannot be on, on different drilling rigs, then you 
centralize and a control center and you put that expert there who is going to help and supervise operations to various uh, rigs that is happening. So that was the more driver at that time. That's where we started. But as, uh, as Stuart said, you know, the, the last year, fast forward to 2020, um, we suddenly realized that we could do remote operations in almost everything we do in, in all industry. And, and that basically drove the remote operations at scale uh, phenomena. And we realized ourselves, while we are all operational sitting at home, you know, tens of thousands of employees in a company. And that drove the mindset and obviously technology evolved as well to support that. Then post 2021, um, and we saw like early gains of those like, for example, Slumberger, uh, you know, we do large activities in services and um, we were able to operate in 80 countries with 60% of our drilling jobs uh, in those countries uh, delivered through remote operations. But what's happening in 2021 is interesting that the drivers for remote operations is changing as well. It's no more just sharing of expertise and experts sitting in centralized place, but actually it's driving costs down, driving how we can um, you know, remove uh, people out of uh, dangerous operations, how we can uh, reduce the footprint of both machines and assets and, and humans from the operations. So, there are some new drivers coming in, which is also being obviously pressurized from the sustainability drive from other industries. So now we are looking at remote operations at scale from a very different perspective. And technologies like connected systems, IoT, uh, cloud and edge computing, and, and to be able to process large amount of data and bring automation at every phase of our operation is really driving that phenomena, making it real. So we are looking at you know, operating remotely for not only mundane tasks like inspections and, and check and compliance, but really driving automation through that. And I believe, um, you know, the future of remote operation is very bright and, and we have already moved a, a huge amount of needle in that direction. Excellent, thank you for that insight, Sajid. Um, now, digital twins, let's talk about digital twins, which are propelling the oil and gas industry into the future of asset optimization, a lot of experts have said. And a recent report by Global Data actually claims that even though most of the groundwork for digital twins was in place for some time, its actual deployment was seen only recently. Uh, Gina, what are your thoughts on this? Sure, thank you. Yeah, I think from a digital twin perspective, you're gonna see a lot uh, more of our platforms and our technologies move towards digital uh, twin enablement, if you will. There's an, you know, another area that I think we'll also see a lot of impact is augmented reality. And both of those are beginning to become more and more together. Why? It's because they're standardized platforms and they're standardized application sets and open standards that are now helping reduce the cost of implementation. So if you look in the past, one of the big hindrances to, to enabling the, the technology was the, the building of the application stacks. Now that more standards have come into play, more open source has come into play, you're seeing a lot more um, move in this direction for some of the things that have been said earlier, uh, but mainly driven around um, the need to be able to operate assets more efficiently, the need to be able to look at an asset, do modeling and these types of things in such a, such a way that you can model it before you build it and you can enable yourself to make better decisions as you move through your business process and your business cycle. Right, thank you, Gino. Uh, Sujit, do you wanna add something to that? 
Yeah, certainly. Thank you. Um, on, on the digital twin side, I think um, you made a reference about global data, and I'm sure a lot of people have read about that, um, that the system existed um, long ago. And I would like to explain digital twin, not from technology perspective, but more from the approach perspective, because it's a collection of technologies, automation of workflows, and how do you use the system to, to derive value out of that? So while Digital Twin existed in the past for individual components, we are increasingly looking at Digital Twin of the entire system now, where we combine different components, processes, um, the fluids, the assets, the people, the resources, everything together into one place to, to drive again, remote operations and automation. So Digital Twin will be certainly a big enabler of remote operations, as I was explaining earlier and driving towards uh, automation as well. In terms of technology, again, uh, enabling technologies are uh, IoT systems, which are making everything connected. If you are not connected, you can't do much of digital twin. Um, at the same time, to be able to generate and process huge amount of data and create hindsight, insight, and foresight using data models and virtualization layers in a digital twin basically gives you the ability to create new use cases and extract much more potential out of the system that we were operating manually in some sense. So again, digital twin, uh, future is bright. Um, we are struggling a little bit in the industry to define what is digital twin still, uh, but at the same time, there is a good driver of um, you know, moving in that direction and use this approach and combination of technologies to solve new problems that we were trying to solve in the past. Perfect, thank you, Siddhiti. Made some good points on digital twins. Now, any discussion about digital would be incomplete without talking about its role in decarbonization. Shan, we know Baker Hughes recently rebranded itself as an energy technology company. So we'd like to hear your thoughts on the role of new technologies in low carbon production. Yeah, sure, thanks, Aizen. Thanks for uh, inviting me. Really, really happy to uh, be back speaking with you. Um, I think, you know, what, what the participants said is it all resonates. You know, when you think about digital twin, um, the def definition varies, but at, at, a, at a use case level, but fundamentally, it's essentially you have an asset, whether it's an upstream asset, downstream asset, midstream asset, you want to replicate its operational realities as closely as possible and then predict um, and prescribe um, outcomes that make the operations better, safer, and more sustainable. I think one of the things that we're most excited about within the Baker Hughes portfolio is we've done digital twins um, for a pretty long time in different parts of the portfolio, right? So when you think about turbo machinery and um, managing asset around that, reciprocating equipment. And then when you also look at reservoir management and reservoir modeling, that's an element of, of digital twinning as well, so to speak. Um, so the capabilities exist. I think um, the, the benefit that we have is the, the skill set, the digital technology skill set required to build out um, an authentic digital twin process and framework, and then combine that to an operational reality. Very few companies in the world can do that. You, you literally have to learn by doing. And we happen to be in the space where we do a lot, right? So um, as we expand into taking bets in, into the um, hydrogen space and the carbon capture space, we are taking those capabilities with us and applying that to these new energies. And I think that's resonating with our employees. It's a it's a it's a it's a career path that that we can offer that exists, and that's exciting. Um, it's good for customers because a lot of a lot of our same customers in the upstream space are going down that path as well. So 
so why not partner up on a journey there? Um, so you know, there, there's there's a lot of I would say um, news in the in the in the media around the demise of oil and gas, so to speak. But if you peel the onion a little bit and you look at the capabilities, especially on the digital and technology side that this industry brings, it's very relevant and um, um, brings the right capabilities for what you're going to need in the new energy space. And so that's that's where we're we're playing a lot and investing. And and you know, like my participants said. It's around connectivity, data management, analytics, and so exciting space, evolving space, but exciting space. Absolutely, I agree. Uh, Gina, do you want to add something to it and talk to us about the role of new technologies in low carbon production? Yeah, I think exactly some of the things that have already been said here is it's really around uh, one, the first step is looking at and, and visualizing what your carbon footprint is and understanding what your carbon footprint is is in a measurable way. Then what we're working with, where we find ourselves working with customers is looking at modeling, you know, AL models, uh, machine learning, uh, machine learning models. Um, as we look at AI models and machine learning models and implementing those models to begin to look at how do you optimize uh, applications to help drive down that carbon, that carbon footprint. But then as we look forward, even with customers and beginning work with customers beyond that, it's looking at, um, as you develop an asset or you take an existing asset and look at things you want to do with that asset, strategic changes you want to make, what are those decisions that you are going to make? What is the, you know, what are those going to be from a carbon footprint perspective? What is going to be the outcome from those decisions that are made? And what we're really now starting to begin to work with customers on is, is that digital twin, that modeling of, of, an, of an asset, looking at the changes you can make modeling the, those changes and then seeing what the results are either with existing assets or even from when you're building new assets and looking at new projects what is the carbon footprint of that project going to be if you change some of the design characteristics of that of your, of your design what would the those change in carbon footprint be as well as what would the change to your top line or bottom line revenue growth be so we're we're really moving into that next stage of combining that digital twin uh, machine learning, advanced uh, anal analytics, and working with customers on those types of problems and, and addressing these um, carbonization problem in this kind of way. Excellent, thank you, Gino. Um, let's talk about data now. Data management has always been a hot topic for the upstream industry, but I'd like to know why is it so important right now? Shan, would you like to answer this one first? Yeah, it's funny because um, we talk about data a lot uh, where, where I work in, uh, it's one of our favorite subjects at the moment um, and has been. I think you know, data management at the end of the day is, is important in the sense that the, the upstream space in oil and gas industries is no stranger to it, right, as you know. Um, but I think the difference, the, the, the step change that we're seeing now is the integrated data experience. And so we've experienced an um, explosion of integrated data experience in our personal lives. If you think about how connected we are outside of work, um, it's, it's unprecedented, right? You can almost do everything you need to do off of, a, off, of, off of a watch. And I think the industrial space, and specifically in the oil and gas space, we're going to have to head that way. And so with data management comes things like data standards, comes things like uh, simplification of, of the, the, the data visualization. Uh, and the biggest, most difficult thing, I think, personally, is data quality management at scale. So um, it's great to have the standards, but if you're unable to aggregate your data, stream it, contextualize it, and then 
serve it up to people who know what to do with it, um, it doesn't really matter. I mean, data is like a tool, right? It's like a pencil. You can put a pencil in the hand of Shakespeare or myself, and you're going to get very different outcomes. Um, so, so we spend a lot of time on data. I think the 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 differences that we've we've sort of approached here is um, almost like where the capital markets went, you know, 30 years ago. But you have to have dedicated data, not data science, but data operations type folks. So. We're experimenting there with an organization where we've created from scratch and data operations and they wake up every morning and worry about um, data contextualization. So it's not a digital play, it's not a data science play, it's a pure data play. Um, so what we're seeing from that is downstream implications for when we go build applications either internally or for customers, the long cycle cost as well as the adoption inhibitors were usually around poor data. That's, that's what it kind of boils down to. Um, and of course there's digital sort of synergy by us fixing the data upstream, you'll get to use that same data set across multiple applications. And in some cases, it reduces your, your speed to market on an application by 2x if you're using the similar and same data sets. Uh, and you've seen this in other industries as well. And I think the oil and gas space is very capable of owning it and accelerating here. Uh, we know how to handle really complex data sets. I think the, the attention and the focus that it's getting as a result of remote ops and other things that are, you know, emerging here, um, is 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 the right thing to do. Thank you, Shan. I think you summarized that perfectly for us. Now, speaking of data, Stuart, we know Icon Science recently launched a data management solution that manages massive volumes of difficult to access data. Tell us more about that and why you think data management is so important right now. Sure, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I absolutely agree with uh, with, with Shan just there on quite uh, quite a few of the points uh, there is, but. And, and I've been involved in somewhat uh, the data side of the, the oil and gas industry for, for all my career, uh, both, both Icon Science and uh, in previous companies. And I, I think there's always been a heavy importance placed on, on, on data in our industry. I don't think it's particularly anything new, but so why, why, is it, why, is the, uh, why does it feel like it, it's, it's more important right now? And uh, particularly in upstream, I, I think what we've seen in the industry over the last year, uh, year and a half with uh, headcount cuts dramatically in some senses, uh, freezes on new exploration, uh, the, the, the renewed focus on optimization and enhanced recovery, um, not, not even going into the, uh, the, the carbon, carbon neutral stuff quite now, it's clear the value of, of existing data is only growing. Uh, but at the same time, we're seeing loss of knowledge uh, through staff cuts, uh, retirements, people leaving the industry. Uh, but the uh, and on the other the other side of the coin, we, we have the the digital data that that does does remain and does persist. It's being utilised in more and more creative ways uh, as new technology enables it. So I, I think the value attributed to data is is only going to rise, and uh, of, of course it necessarily follows the effective management of this uh, of this asset is only is only going to become more important as as we uh, as, as as we as as we continue on this journey. I guess in, the, in this regard, we we don't see data as a static asset that must be managed and protected and stored and fi filed. That's not, I guess, what we mean by management. From a, when 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 I talk about management, it's data is rather unusual in the fact that it can, uh, unlike most other things, it can produce more of itself, more value. Data can produce more valuable data, and then it's a continuous cycle. Uh, and and why data management is really only part of the story. And uh, to, to go back with the, the points that Shan raised, data quality data availability, data accessibility, they're all vital and hugely important concepts that in, in, in upstream and they quite often get overlooked and just umbrellaed under data management. But these are 
these are true problems in in their their own right that that, that do need to be uh, to be uh, addressed. For instance, uh, we, we we quite often speak to clients with hundreds of distributed applications, with each of them with only a handful of users and. The knowledge locked in these applications is uh, is is just as valuable as any other data, but it's it's uh, it's vulnerable. If if you if you uh, don't no longer support the application or those small group of users leave, then it's effectively lost knowledge, and lost uh, lost knowledge is just as devastating as lost headcount and lost experience. Uh, likewise, duplicated data, uh, poor quality data, proprietary formats that are locked away. These are all issues that can really lower the value of data, uh, no, ma no matter how much you have. And uh, workflows that, that we're seeing with the new technologies, predictive analytics, machine learning, they all require as a prerequisite quality, uh, quality data, quality correct, true believed data. And the management of existing data in itself is just not enough. Uh, and those are the problems, uh, going back to what you said, our, our, new, uh, our new product line curate. That, that's the problems we've been focusing on at ICON. Namely, knowledge uh, knowledge management solutions uh, and, and how that differs from pure data uh, data management. So it's where users, uh, specialists, geoscientists, generalists uh, can collaborate uh, with each other and use data as a form of communication, uh, not just as something that has to be managed in a, a, a safe and uh, a safe and secure way. And then use that data to further generate knowledge and use that knowledge to make decisions. And that's uh, that's really what we've been focusing on. At ICON and where I think the true value of data and data management lie. Excellent, thank you, Stuart. Um, now we're we're actually now towards the end of our discussion. I'd like to open the floor for any closing thoughts or comments on what you think the progress is in our industry. What are some of the most significant trends in the area of digital that you foresee in the next few years? You know, uh, Sajid, would you like to start? Sure. Um... A very good discussion, and um, you know, um, I agree with previous topic uh, by Ashan and Stuart, uh, who talked extensively on the data side. Uh, I think um, they made some really good remark. Uh, one point I would like to add, and then move on to your question, Isa, uh, is that um, I think subsurface always used data very well in the past, but uh, operational activities we generated a lot of data, but we didn't use much. And I think there is a big shift we are seeing that in field operations, now data is being not only generated more than what we were generating before, but we are using all the capabilities of processing at source or processing in the cloud and, and generating more value out of it. So a huge shift is happening from one domain to another. And we are kind of using the phrase um, in ubiquitous ways that uh, this is all possible because we are able to liberate data which is trapped in applications, in machines, in analog gauges, in papers, documents, into a place where it can be then used properly in the new paradigms. Now, coming to your, your last question, um, you know, um, predicting anything in an oil industry uh, doesn't have a good record, uh, a track record, you know, in terms of what will happen next five years. Um, but I'm going to take a bet and, and attempt to do that. Um, and working in last three years in establishing a venture, which is purely about uh, automation in the edge and edge computing and AI algorithms deployed on operational site, I believe that with good signs of remote operations and digital twins coming into the picture, happening at scale, hopefully in short term, I see oil industry is driving towards some sort of autonomy in the future. Um, 
I'm not sure it will happen in five years. I'm optimistic about it. But certainly, uh, there are a lot of cues from automobile industry and aviation industry uh, that they have driven autonomy at scale in various parts of the business they do. And I think all industry has a huge opportunity to do that on the back of what we are trying to do in remote operations, digital twin, um, big data processing, and all other topics that we have just now talked. So I'm a great believer in automation. And uh, certainly, the next few years, I would like to realize that dream. Great. Thank you, Sajid. Any other final thoughts or closing comments from our panelists? I, I think we had a, a couple of things. I think um, you know, in five years, the, the conversation today, if you, if you get a, a bunch of digital folks on the call like today, we talk about data, we talk about cloud, we talk about AI. That's going to be table stakes in five years. If we're, you know, shame on us if we're still talking about this in five years. Um, we have to figure this out and, and get out of the sort of the, the technology and widget discussion. I think um, operationally, you know, the, the emergence of the first mile and the last mile is going to be important in five years. The first mile is now that we've set this plumbing up, so to speak, and this infrastructure, which is complex in its own right, you need people who understand the data operationally to, to be stewards of it upfront similar to, again, the capital markets and how investment banking has evolved because they've been able to take data at scale and, and monetize it. That first mile is really important and it needs to be invested in and sort of targeted. Um, the last mile is equally important. Is It's great that if you fix everything, but when it hits the field, it doesn't help anyone make any better decisions or it doesn't help anyone take an action differently or a tool differently. Just at this point, it could be machinery that we're, we're connected to. And that last mile is where domain experience becomes very important. You, you want to be able to take whatever the outcome is, the insight of, of an algorithm and execute it at scale safely, right? And so again, you do that by doing. And so you want people who know how to handle that in a safe manner and also fix things when they go wrong because that last mile is where the value occurs. Everything before that is, is a means to the end, right? And that end is important. And then I think in five years, if you had us on the on a, on a panel again, hopefully, we'll be talking about that, and it'll be a, a different sort of discussion. So that's that's sort of my personal view. Excellent, thank you, Shan. Hopefully, yes, we will be talking again after five years. Well, that brings us to the end of our discussion today that I really enjoyed. I thank you all. I think you all shared some great insights into the world of digital. And on behalf of Heart Energy, I'd like to thank you all once again for being with us today. Thank you. All right, thank, thank you very you. much. Thank you. All right. For more hard energy videos, follow our social media channels.